thank you for taking this time early in the morning to be here. We've known each other forever. Yes, we have. Well, there was an ex-military. Right. But you were an officer in the military, weren't you? Yes. Where were you? Marine captain. Marine captain? Yep. Well, how long did you stay in? Five years. Five years. And you're just a little bit older than me. Uh, right. I'm, well, I'm not sure if that's true. <laughs> I, think you, I think you know it. Come on, go. Okay, 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 okay. Well, yeah. I've got more white hair than you, you have, so you maybe you I'm know. a little bit older. So it's. Uh, well, listen. Where were you born? Uh, March 30th, 1947. Okay. So I'm 76. You're 76. Yes. Okay. A no. young 76. People say I don't look a day over 74. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you born? Uh, Elmira, New York. Yeah. Okay. Did you grow up there all your life? No. I mean, all your uh, adolescent life. I was raised in West Virginia up to the age of uh, about five. Wait. So you were born in New York, and then you moved. Your parents. No. Moved. My uh, my my family was uh, was having problems, and so I was sent to live with my great aunt and great uncle, uh, Aunt Ruby. At what age? Was that? At what age? From birth? Uh, from birth? about two. Okay. Uh, I believe, and uh, uh, so I have early memories of from eight, nine months old. They confirmed by my mother that I ran down the street in Vanette, New York, in a car. And, I, I can. And how old were you? Eight or nine months old. Now, how do you wait? You started walking when? I started walking eight months. Really? Yes. You're one of those kind of kids. Well, I always knew there was something special about you. Wait. <laughs> Really? So you so you ran away at, when you were around nine months? Well, I didn't run away. <laughs> In your diapers and everything? I think well, it followed the trio? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, it was funny. I had that, That's the earliest memory I have. And um, I, was, I was riding in the front seat of a big black car. In 1947, all cars were black. Okay. You know, right. so, and, uh, and I asked my mother one time, did, did, I, did I have that experience? She says, I thought it was, I didn't know what it was. And she says, oh. And my mother didn't think anything of it. She says, no, yeah, that was so-and-so. And you, you, you went for a ride in the car. And so she confirmed it. Otherwise, I would think it was just a memory that I might have had. But, right, uh, right. And the next earliest memory is in West Virginia, picking eggs. And uh, I picking was- what? Picking eggs. Okay. You know, as a child, every child in a, in a, in a subsistence farm, we were 92 acres. And 92 acres, uh, there was it was most of it. Most of the cows had one leg longer than the other, because there was all there was always walking on the sides of hills. Um, so it's uh, it's this is real. No, I'm joking. I thought you were joking. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, so we're gonna, this is going to be a hard one, you guys, because I don't know. You're going to have to take half of it as real, half of it as you know. You, you find out. Well, anyway, luckily so, we're in the we're in the age of the internet, so we can check. But real quick. Uh, I, I was actually, I, I always say that I was raised in the in the nineteenth century, because we had uh, we had well water, and there was a big iron stove that today would cost about a hundred thousand dollars. In those days, it was a sign of poverty, and uh, and there was a it was long and on the side of it, and it was wood wood burning stove, and there was a big pot which is built into the stove which heated the water for for uh, for, for taking showers and stuff and you took a shower and a, and a, and a thing like this so, so you remember all you remember all oh that. i i remember as clear as a bell so and how long did you stay with i can remember mom? everything that i did when i was four or five years old but i can't remember anything i did yesterday so 
<laughs> Thank goodness for good memory when you're a child. Yes. Listen, so you're raised by your aunt and uncle. My great aunt and great uncle, Aunt Ruby and Uncle Elliwood. Was this on your mother's side? I'm sorry. My mother's side. Uh, everything is on my mother's side. And uh, um, you, did you know your father? Uh, well, my father is uh, Larry Murphy. He adopted me when I was about five years old. Okay. And so I've always considered him my father. Okay. So you didn't and know your biological father? No, I didn't know my biological father. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, we may wind up talking about that anyhow. <laughs> we might have yeah. Anyway, anyway. But anyway, but so, so you have siblings, you said, right? Yes, I do. I, okay. I, I've got uh, seven siblings. Wow. And, and uh, Now let's go into the children part. Do you, have, you, you've, you also have children, don't you? I have two children, uh, Alisa and Scott. Did I, did I don't think I taught Scott. Did I teach Scott? You taught Alisa and Scott. They both went to Nishimachi. They sure did. So I, they and both were in the gymnastics program. They were. They went Nishimashi through kindergarten through ninth grade. Right. And then they went to ASIJ. That's right. Because I remember you used to come in. I remember you coming to pick them up. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so it was. Uh, okay. uh, yeah, I think the, anybody that's been interviewed by you that's been here longer than a few years has probably had their children be caught by you. So. I've always so, admired your program. Uh, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Tell me this, kind. Of, what kind of child were you? Were you more academic or were you more physical? I'd like to think I was both. You know, on in in schoolyard uh, when we go out for uh, uh, for a re recess and stuff like that, the, we would always divide up teams, and I was never the last, so I had to be a little bit academic. Okay. I, I was never the first either, but okay. <laughs> so. You know, if, yeah, if you can remember back to when you were in elementary school, that, that sort of thing. And um, an academic, you know, it's funny. I was a lazy student and uh, always have been a lazy student. And uh, uh, But when you're coming up to a test or something like that, I have a tendency to study very hard and I can remember everything for the week of the test. And then I forget everything, so it's a, Is that right? no. I'm I'm joking, but it, okay. it's a, uh, it's that's sort of the situation. Is I uh, I'm in when I went to when I was in elementary school, I did not learn to read phonetically. Uh, you did sight reading, right. you know. Uh, water was water. It was not water. I understand, and, and so. When I, I read, I'm a, I've always been a great reader, but I don't necessarily know how to pronounce the words. I understand, because and you so, don't learn phonetically. So what I do is I just, whenever I see a word that I don't know, I look it up, find out what it, what it means first, and then I, uh, then I assign a value for it. And that's, my, that's how I... A value. A value. I, well, that word, every time I see it, that's X. It's not, it's not whatever, whatever it is. It's it just... It just uh, uh, so that I can read it. So when I read it, I didn't slow me down. So oh, that's gotcha. that sort of thing like that. And uh, what were the what were the subjects you were really interested in? Uh, history, 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 history is in elementary too. You really enjoyed. History? I think I've always been interested in history. Okay. And, uh, what type I, of history? Uh, basically, uh, American history, and uh, and then later on, world history, okay. and then um, when in high school, I first discovered Buddhism, and I was interested in Buddhism. Uh, but in Kingston, New York, which is where I went to high school, uh, the, we had to write a senior thesis, and I wrote it on Buddhism. 
Okay. And um, so, but I were you, were you, was, was it rare basically for the other kids? I mean, did you have anyone else that was into Buddhism? Well, I wasn't into Buddhism. I was interested in Buddhism. You were interested in Buddhism. Well, did it, you have other people? It was a pretty, pretty uh, not to my knowledge. Maybe they you were. Grew, you grew up in the hippie time. Don't forget, you're a hippie. You're my brother's age. So you guys starting free love and all this and everybody love each other and mm-hmm. rainbow coalition. Not the same rainbow we know now. It was different then. It was just the rainbow of people. At that time, you remember? Yeah, well, it was uh, it, where I, I grew up. When I first, when I was a child, we still had segregation. Right. And uh, I lived in West Virginia. And uh, we would go to church. And the church was, uh, uh, we'd go to church, and black people were in the church, white people in the church. The white people sat on the left side of the church, and the black people sat on the right side of the church. But this was, so they went to the same church. Same church. In, in this is in West. This is my experience. So you know? remember that, okay? Yes, it's my experience, and right. uh, and we usually walk to the church because we didn't have a car, and uh, and the the uh, I love talking about the West Virginia because it was it was such a wonderful experience for me, and I think about it all the time. Okay. I was as I said, I was raised in the nineteenth century. We didn't have running water, we didn't have uh, uh, we didn't have. Uh, Electric heat or, or, or uh, central heating, but that was the, that was the case for the majority of the people around you. Yes, we right, were. That's we, not... were we were. We uh, were. I was raised uh, for people who know West Virginia. I was raised in Marlington, Virginia, okay. and uh, and we we uh, we we were in this the town of Lobelia. In 1950, uh, the, um, the the population of Lobelia was nine people, and we lived outside of town. And, uh, and the nearest, the, the, the population was nine people. Are you serious? That was serious. 1950. There was, there was, there was an, a population. There was nobody living there. It was just a crossroads. And then we lived about uh, maybe a mile, two miles up a little. They were called hollers. You know, little narrow, narrow, and uh, and um, and so my aunt Ruby, um, I, I, I I love talking about this, but my aunt Ruby, um, she gave me a great deal of freedom. And so she would say, "Now, Kyle, says you don't go beyond those those rocks up there because there's rocks up in the back, and I could play up there. And you don't go beyond those rocks. There's bears, and that's what she, that's how she kept me in control. She's and then about every 15, 20 minutes, she said she would yell, Kyle, and I had to go out and show myself. Right, okay. and that was her way of controlling me without me feeling I was being controlled. This is your aunt, my aunt Ruby. She, your great aunt." My great aunt, my, my was my uh, my aunt. grandfather's uh, sister, okay. and her his elder sister. He was uh, um, what? It was maybe nine people. Now nine you were mostly playing sisters. by yourself, or did you have friends around you, or was it just you? Well, I mean, the uh, I was the twelfth uh, of eleven children, okay, and I was being raised, and so the different different. Uh, uh, Brothers and sisters would come with their children. I'd play with them, and over the top of the hill, on the other side of the hill, there was another family. It was a good mile away, but that's those are my closest friends. And I played with the uh, um, the geese and uh, and the guinea hens. And you know, the now guinea, you're being serious now. I'm being very serious. Okay, okay, okay. I just and guinea hens were our geese were, were guard geese. And if you if you got them angry, they would chase you. I remember a little boy being scared, and Reese is coming up with his arms in the air, and uh, so it was it was it was. Uh, so I had a um, 
like I said, I lived in the 19th century because uh, we we did have in, we did have uh, electricity, but just barely, you know, a few lights and anything. And we just I remember in, we in the morning we listened to the uh, on Saturdays we listened to the Grand Old Opry and things like so, this, you know. Yes, and so. Uh, and then my, my my mother brought me back to upstate New York when I was after how many years? Well, I was uh, in I uh, was going into kindergarten in the first grade. So you so you you're talking about times prior to you even going to school? Yeah, I'm talking about five years. Okay. Yeah. Oh. And uh, so and what it, about what about the winter times? Because it got cold up here in Virginia now. Well, you know, and we would I can remember snow, and yes. we would go out and rather get fresh snow. And we would put the uh, uh, food coloring on it, and we'd eat it as okay. as like in Japan. We and we have uh, what I can't think what they're called, but they were you grind ice. Right, right. That's the same idea. Same idea. And uh, but we didn't do it that way. And uh, and we the water came from a well or spring, actually a spring. Right. And that spring also was where they they canned everything. And uh, so the um, I've always said the one book I buy if I had only one book I could buy. I would buy the uh, Reader's Digest Guide to, uh, I think it's sur Survival. Yes. And it gives you basic ideas on how to do how to, how to, how to, uh, how to do canning and how to do building a house and stuff like that. So I'm, you know, it's, uh, I'm far from that now living in, 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 in Asia. Right. But my initial interest in Asia came from, uh, uh, from uh, the, uh, doing that study on Buddhism. Okay, that's and, that's when you were in high school and you went to thesis, yeah. right? And then I went to I went to Washington College in Chestertown, Maryland. And you asked if I was a good student. Um, the answer is no. And um, I was I played uh, intramural softball, which I you, when you were in high school. No, in I played fast pitch softball in in university. Okay, what did you do in high school? Uh, high school, I had like? a heartworm, and so I only did shot put. And javelin. So okay, so you found that you had a medical condition when? In high school, I wasn't. Well, I don't think I had a medical condition, but they right. they they wouldn't let me play football. Right. Which is probably the best thing that ever happened because <laughs> I may not let you into the Marines. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and then I was in university for two years in Washington College in Chestertown, Maryland, and I was a terrible student, and I. I discovered um, I discovered bridge. I discovered uh, uh, I discovered uh, the the opposite sex, and uh, and I didn't have time for study. I also studied. I, I also uh, discovered the the theater. I love the theater. And, uh, you discovered bridge, the game bridge, right. um, the theater, and the opposite sex. Yes, those. Okay, I was pretty busy, you know. <laughs> I didn't, have, was full. I didn't have time was full. for study, you know, <laughs> so, and the school agreed with that. So, and at the end of the night, and, and I was—that's why you only stayed in two years because it should have been. Four. I was being kicked out, and okay. uh, I got kicked out, and um, uh, it took me years to admit that. But um, right. um, so it's—I um, uh, knew in 1967 in the, the, the spring semester that I was failing, right. and, and I honestly didn't care. And so I went down to all the recruiting uh, people, and uh, and so the first time I just went and looked at them and took some. And then I then my father came down, picked me up, and he says they've been asked they've asked you not to return. 
And the recruiting um, office asked you not to return. No, no, my, my the oh the school know, oh this is when, when you find out the, the school, school didn't want you to return. Yes, and so I went back to Kingston, which is where I, where my family was living, and I was working as a bartender in. The, uh, the now, how old are you now? Eighteen, nineteen. I was nine, eighteen years old. Uh, I, I turned 18 in 65, and then I was working as a bartender at the Bridge Circle Inn, and um, Joe, uh, the Espositos, and that was also the uh, state troopers came in there and ate, okay. and um, so I was, I, I could not pour beer fast enough, and so uh, I, I was in there for, in uh, in. And so I had, at the meantime, I was talking to the different um, branches of service, and I went to the, uh, I went to the army, and they offered me uh, such and such. Then I went to the navy, and they offered me such and such. Uh, I didn't even really want to go to the air force, but I did it just as a courtesy, you know. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, and, uh, I, 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 and then the Air Force. <laughs> well, I didn't go to the. I got. A, I have a friend that's in the Coast Guard, and we have all kinds of complaints about that. And uh, so then, at the last minute, I was about. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon, and the Marine. I, I said, "Well, there's the Marines. Let me go talk to them." And it was a man named Gunny Sergeant Claypool. I can. You, you remember these things, you know. I'm sure you remember your your recruiter as well. And uh, and he was coming down the stairs, and I was going up. And I says, "Oh, he's, I says you're closing. Okay, I'll come back." No, no, no. Turn around. He he saw he saw he had me hooked. So he bring me in. He's reeling me in. So he came up, and he says, uh, uh, "I says, well, I says uh, I'd I'd like to join the Marine Corps. I'm thinking about joining the Marine Corps." And I says, "I says I want to go to language school, and I would like to go to language school." So I heard. The military had a language school. I said, "I'd like to go to, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to save ten thousand dollars. So I want to go back to school, and I'd like to become an officer." Oh, all these things are possible. All these things are possible. You know, did I re did I ever know how difficult it was those things to do? But then that's why I said, "Oh, I sign a line." <laughs> and so, and but you so, did become an officer. Yeah, I, and you I, did finish school. You had to finish school to become an officer. I, n n no, no, they um, in 1967. Okay. The Marine Corps was losing uh, five to ten second lieutenants a week in, in Vietnam. Vietnam. Yes. And so, and oh. and so, people were not really volunteering for the Marine Corps because there would be a second lieutenant sent right over there. But a lot of the people weren't just killed by Viet Cong. Well, that's true. That's true. Some are being taken out by their own people. Well, I, I've got a story about yeah, that, right. but that's right. it's not me. But our okay. um, uh, he wasn't popular, wow. and um, and one day he woke up and got. He, fortunately, he looked. There was a hand grenade they put on his door, so when he opened the door, it would, would it would it nice. would go off. And, um, but it didn't. It didn't. So fortunately, but that's just, that's but the they, one story. But they were really planning to. It just didn't. They were tried to. They they tried, they tried to kill him and. Uh, he wasn't a bad man, but just somebody didn't like him, and uh, okay. um, so it was. Uh, uh, but that's a different story. That's another story. Uh, so, uh, so you get in, you get in. So I went to Paris Island in July. I went basic to training. Basic training. Is it eight weeks? Uh, no, at that time it was ten weeks. Uh, ten Paris weeks. Okay. Paris Island, and during that time, I, I because I, I had two years of university, and uh, they, 
I, I interviewed, I took tests to see if I could uh, be qualified to go to, it was called the ESEP, Enlisted Commissioning Program. And so I went to, uh, I took the tests, and then from there I went to Camp Lejeune, and, uh, which is uh, a sort of a source of a lawsuit these days. But, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and so I'm in the middle of that. And the, um, you mean you are actually have them? No, I no, I I've. I mean, it's because it's a group of people. So it's a um, what is it? What do they call the, it? The pack, the pack. Right, right. Well, I'm involved. involved so you're involved. part of that, yeah, right? And so, okay. And so, uh, so the um, I went to Paris Island, and then I went to Camp Lejeune to advanced infantry training, and um, it was uh, we had a guy in the in the in our. We knew what our MOS is, and I was a 2500. Which is? He's a communi uh, communications guy. So uh, if I had stayed commissioned, stayed enlisted, I would have gone to Paris, I'd gone to, uh, I would have gone to Vietnam in about January of 1968. And if you know what happened in February, it was Tet. That's right. And so uh, in right. Vietnam, the first two people they shot at was the, the guy with the big antenna. On the back of his of head, and right. the guy who's sitting next to him because he was a second lieutenant. Right. So what I did was I managed to go from being the guy with the carrying the the uh, the the the, uh, the communication communication thing, thing right. to being the second, second lieutenant. So I got I got shot second instead of first. Right. But did you actually get shot? No. Okay. I, 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 okay. I, it's, I'm just joking about that, and um, the um, uh, so I I was I was. Uh, I waited around at Camp at uh, Camp Lejeune. I was a gate guard for about two months, and uh, so I spent a total of five or six, five, four or five months at Camp Geiger, which is part of Camp Lejeune. And uh, uh, so, to be qualified for that uh, uh, that lawsuit, you had to be there a month. So I I spent four or five months there, mm -hmm. and then I went to uh, Quantico for uh, uh, OCS. And um, uh, that's what most see us is eight, eight or ten weeks. And then from there, uh, you're commissioned. And then you stay in Quantico, but you go to Camp, um, what's that, what's it called? Camp, I think it's Camp Upshaw. And um, it's, uh, uh, there you go, six weeks, of, six months of uh, the basic school, which is how you become a, a, a second lieutenant. And then from there, I went. To, I was I, my OCS my my MOS I'm sorry was uh, as a uh, artilleryman so then I, so I was sent to Fort Sill Oklahoma for artillery training and then at that time uh, they called me the, the 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 colonel called me and there was uh, four people and there was three slots. They always do it this way, you know. And so, right, 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 right. and there was a, there were three slots in the Defense Language Institute. Uh, one, Thai, uh, North Vietnamese, and South Vietnamese. And so, uh, and it says, you can think about it if you want to do it. I, I said, sir, I'd like to go to Thai language school. And uh, so, because I was, had the highest grades in language aptitude, uh, then I, I got the first choice. And then uh, my friend became uh, the, uh, uh, he, he was a Vietnamese, Vietnamese uh, linguist. And um, so then I went to Thai language school for a year. 
five days a week, seven hours a day for one year. And uh, so then I came out of there, and then I went to uh, uh, intelligence schools, and then and then I went back to Camp Lejeune as an artillery officer. Mm -hmm. And then they sent me to uh, Camp Darcia, uh, Viegas, Puerto Rico, which is, and I was the S3, that's the, the operations officer in Camp Lejeune, at, at, at Camp Garcia. And there they, um, the most beautiful beaches in the Caribbean, untouched. And uh, it's now resorts, because the they they flapped it to get that. they took it back and it, now that it's a gorgeous place, and um, so I was there for six months and uh, so I went up to to um, headquarters Marine Corps, and I talked to uh, the person's called a detailer, and these are the officers responsible for signing you places, and so uh, he, I said I'd like to go to Vietnam, and. Um, you know, I was a gung-ho Marine those days, so I said... So you really wanted to go? Yeah, I asked to go. <clears throat> and so he says, when do you want to go? I, and October, November, I said, October's fine. And so, uh, and so it's funny, because I had, I had orders directly into Vietnam. And all the Vietnamese linguists only got as far as Okinawa. <laughs> it was strange. So they sent the Thai linguists to Vietnam, and all the Vietnamese linguists they sent left in Okinawa. It didn't make any sense, but there's a lot of things about the military that didn't make That's any true. sense. And uh, um, and so uh, I was in Vietnam for about four or five months, and um, I was an advisor to the uh, Vietnamese Army. And um, it wasn't a very heavy-duty time that time. Mm -hmm. I don't, what year I, was this? I never got shot at. What year was this? Uh, 71. 70, 71, I'm sorry. 71. Okay. Uh, well, the, it was, was started out in 70, and it was uh, in, in 71. Okay. And, uh, but I never got shot at. I, I got, I got, uh, we got mortared a few times and things like that, but mm -hmm. um, I fell into the uh, the bomb shelter one time and hurt my finger. I said, does that qualify for a purple heart? And he said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and uh, so then, then we pulled out of Vietnam, and I went to, uh, went back to Okinawa. And I was in Okinawa for uh, until uh, February uh, 28, 1972. I um, decided I wanted to stay in Asia because Vietnam was probably one of the most beautiful places I'd seen. And we we flew. I flew AO a couple times in the back seat of them because I was an artillery officer, mm -hmm. and uh, and so we'd fly over the the. The, the countryside, and it was just awesome. It's an incredibly beautiful place. And I think you've been there, haven't you? No, not yet, no. So then I was in, in Japan at Sofia. Well, you know, that way, that way. you woke up one morning, and all of a sudden, you wait just a minute, you just Well, you, you know, I, I jump around a lot. You gotta, you gotta stick with me, you know. As so, a, as a so, friend used so to say. So while you were there, so while you were there in Vietnam, they take you out around 71? No, I went back, I came out of, in, in probably in April of 71. Okay. And then I had, and I was at. And you put in for to stay in Asia, and then they gave you Japan. No, they no, they sent me to Okinawa. Well, that's that's where Japan. the Third Marine, Third Marine Division was okay. there, and um, the base there. Yes, uh, and so uh, I was there until February, and then I. And in, in meantime, I got accepted by uh, Sophia in Tokyo. So you knew that you were going to get it. How long had you been in the service? 
At that point, and when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was in, I was in four years, uh, 10 months, and 28 days. Okay. I know exactly how long. And you, and you got out while you were in Okinawa? No, I went back to Pendleton and got out, and then I flew back to Okinawa. No, but I mean, but I mean your time, you knew you were going to get out, so you had to be discharged in Pendleton, but still you were Yeah, finished. I came back. and came back, and then I... So I'm, I'm one of the few people who came to Japan on a boat. When? When, when you came back the next time? I went the back first to Okinawa time? and took the ferry from Okinawa to Harumi. Is that right? Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I'm one of the few people who came to Japan on a boat, so I'd say. Okay. And uh, so um, and then I, I got to Harumi, and I was a real babe in the woods. I didn't, I got, I had no, I only had American money. And I, because they hadn't changed the um, system in Okinawa yet, they were still everything was still in dollars. Yeah, in Okinawa, it, it just, I think nineteen seventy five, I think, is when they flipped it or something. Yeah, well, and they were driving on our side of the street, and everything. It was just like a U.S. territory. It was all us. Yeah, it's uh, well, and they were still using script, you know. That's right. That's when right. I was there, and uh, so I got to got to Tokyo. I had no money. I had, didn't know where to stay, and so I wound up in. Uh, uh, I got a, uh, some guy gave me uh, exchanged some dollars for uh, for yen. Was it four ten at that time? No, it was three sixty. But I think okay, he probably gave me a, a hundred yen to a dollar. Uh, I mean, it was. A, <laughs> you know, he was. He, he saw. He, he, he saw you coming. He saw me coming, <laughs> boy. I tell you, and so. I got in a taxi, and I had been told about a youth hostel in Ichigaya. And so I went over there, and I didn't realize you had a reservation. So I showed up with my bag, everything, and they said, no, you can't stay here. And so I said, where the hell am I going to go? And Because uh, I didn't have a lot of money. Now, this is 72? It's 72, yes. 72, okay. And so... That was your first time on the main island, on Honshu? Well, it was the second time, because I came, I flew up to... Uh, to uh, to Yokota to go to go to talk to, to Sophia to, to, to oh why you were oh, why you were in Okinawa yeah to, okay. to, hop over to get to, to get up to get into uh, Sophia because you had to have a student visa and okay. so you had to have all kinds of documents right. and um, so then um, uh, that that's that student visa story is funny because I didn't know what to do so I went to the immigration office in Tokyo, not the not the where we where people go, but the, right. the actual major central administration of the of the uh, in immigration, and I talked to somebody, and so I went back to Okinawa, submitted my documents. They says, "You'll never get this approved in time," and uh, but because I had talked to somebody when my my application came in, they accelerated back. You know, so I, you know, down. it's a. Well, it's 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 it teaches something about in Japan. You know, if you if you just let things happen, nothing happens. You have to you you're not you don't have to be abusive. You just have to make keep things moving forward. So now I'm I'm in a youth hostel. Sent me to this place in uh, Shinjuku, and um, and a lot of people were staying there. It was very cheap, and uh, and every night. There was a little old man. He must have been a hundred years old. He would come around with a little, um, uh, little bell. He's ringing the bell. He says, "It is now eight o'clock. It is time to go to bed." 
they would lock the door. And if you weren't back in by 8 o'clock, you couldn't, you get, couldn't in. get in. Right. And uh, Those were the days. I mean, everything was closed, yeah. except for a snack. That's exactly you right. You could go to a place to snack, and smoking was everywhere. Everywhere. It was Everybody horrible. It was smoked. absolutely horrible. It was terrible. It you was went to the food. movie theater, you'd hope that you wouldn't be sitting behind somebody that was going to be smoking, because you couldn't see the screen then. Yeah, I know. I can remember very clearly. Oh. I can remember very clearly. And, um, and so there's many times that I had to wind up staying in, um, basically it was an all-night kisa. Uh, uh, a kisa tent that's open all night, and you couldn't go to, officially go to sleep. You couldn't lay down. Which you, fall, you could sleep with your eyes sitting up. And it was several times I've done, I did that over the years. And, uh, and so then I needed to find a place to live. I had no idea how to do that. And so my idea about how to do it was ride the trains and look out the window and you see an empty apartment, go see if you could find it. And that's what you did? That's, that was my initial, that wasn't working. And so, okay. and finally I was at, the, at, at uh, Sophia, at that time it was a night school. And so it's it was a night school. Yeah, it was only the classes were only oh, so, at oh, night, night school. I said only yes. at nighttime. And uh, later on, it, it changed. It was only nighttime for foreigners. For the foreigners. Yeah, there was an international right. school. That's right. That was the way Sophia made their money. And they had they, a separate campus too. They went on the no, main, and not, was, not, not in the, it was still not, on the main campus. The main campus. And right. When they moved the separate campus to Ichigaya, right. it improved greatly. Right, and then that was really for foreigners. Yeah, well, was, had more it, they, they evolved it into the international uh, international college, right. and they were both Japanese and foreigners. I was walked around the the, uh, the hallway, and I said, "Does anybody know where our apartment is, or something like that?" That's what I was asking. And there was this guy; his name Len Davis, and I can remember as clear as a bell. Glenn Davis. Len, no, not okay, Glenn. Okay, not Glenn. Glenn's, a dip, yeah. Glenn's my good buddy. That's and, right. uh, but uh, Len Davis, his name, right. and he'd been uh, a captain in the army. And he'd been in Vietnam, he'd been badly shot up, and he was a highly decorated individual. And, um, and so I started talking to him, and having been a Marine captain, he having been an Army captain, there was a sympathetic type of thing. And I said, do you know any apartments? He says, I think my wife, his wife's name I think was Maki. Uh, Maki knows someplace. And so I wound up in... Uh, in uh, Kawasaki, on the Odakusen, in a town called, uh, uh, oh, geez, I, I can't remember the name, it's Tama, it's, it's Tamaku of, of Kawasaki, in a beautiful small uh, six tatami uh, room and an eight tatami kitchen. But it's set up on a hill and you look down at beautiful um, rice fields all through the field. It was a lovely place. and. I would never have been able to get in there if his wife had not recommended me. And the, 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 the people's names were Watanabe. I had no telephone, and uh, uh, but they were really nice people. They, they, and I, a few years ago, I went back and tried to find it. The whole area is so different now than it was then because there's now a train line that goes out from um, Shinjirigoku Station, which didn't exist at that time. And out there, and so there's, it's been built up incredibly, uh, Tama Hill, Tama area, and uh, so I lived there for four years, and I went, I got my bachelor's degrees in in Japanese history uh, from uh, Sofia, and taught English, and uh, made my money, built my money up. Oh, by the way, when I when I got out of the Marine Corps, I did have ten thousand dollars. 
Oh, and, you did? Yeah. I so said, you, had, you had that, you became an officer. And what else did you want? I, I'll become an officer. I wanted to be uh, go to language school. And, 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 and you $10,000. And you did it. And so, um, wow. uh, mainly because I, when I went back to, one of the reasons I didn't like university the first time was my parents were paying for everything. And my family is not a rich family. And even though it's not the, like the outrageous prices it is today, it was they, it, they were, for that time. It was, it was reasonable, and so, but I didn't want them to do that. I wanted to do it myself, and uh, and I think it's part of your maturation process or mm -hmm. whatever. And so, in 1976, I was uh, still in school, sort of, but I was basically just te teaching English, and I met my future wife, and. Um, in Sejo, Gakui, uh, and uh, she was walking down the street. I, was, I started talking to her, and uh, she actually had an umbrella, and it was raining, so she's offered me an umbrella. We talked only in Japanese, and then uh, I went to my the family I was teaching English to, who was he was a, a really senior uh, uh, Japanese politician, and uh, uh, they looked her up, and so I called up her home the next day. And uh, and her mother put says she's at work, so I, I called her office, and that's the first time she spoke English to me. She spoke, uh, "Oh, you're such a detective. How'd you find me?" And I said to her, "I says, well, if you go out to lunch, out to dinner with me, I'll tell you." And so I started going out with her, and uh, and so uh, I wouldn't tell her how I found out until she. So I just kept having dates. <laughs> And so it, I wasn't, I don't think I was anybody's first choice for a husband, but um, anyway. Um, Two children later. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. we got, to, we went to, I went to Purdue and I, uh, to, because I realized I needed uh, some business experience background. And uh, I was in the same apartment that I lived in. Uh, there was a, downstairs, there was a guy named Chuck Johnson who worked for Fuji National's Consulting. And, um, and he became a very good friend. And he was a Navy officer. And, um, and it, it's funny, veterans have a tendency to be friends with veterans. Isn't that the truth? Because uh, we have a common experience, and that is, first of all, basic training, and that's when you really do become who you're going to be. And you so, find out. yeah, that's right. And so I spent a year and a half of basic training, so mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm probably a slow learner. But um, that's, and so I applied to uh, seven or eight universities, and the only one that turned me down was the uh, University of Michigan. So I've always had a, a negative feeling towards Michigan. <laughs> but uh, the other schools, I, I managed to get into some good schools, and I decided to go to Purdue, mm -hmm. mainly because I could afford Purdue. No one offered me money, but I could afford Purdue. Weren't you going to use the GI Bill as well? I did use the GI Bill. That's what I thought, yes. That was with the GI Bill. And um, at that time, they had increased it, so it's $480, $50 a month or something like that. And so uh, Purdue was, they had a one-year program. It was the fastest. And also, that's a program I got forward. The other thing was that Purdue answered all my, my questions with personal letters. Oh, and beautiful. so I, 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 it was a great school. I, I have no regrets about going there. Mm -hmm. So I was there and then I went to work for uh, Smith Klein in 
took in New York, in New York, they sent me back to they. You're married during this time. What's that? You're married during this time. Yeah, well, I've, I graduated from university. Right. My wife and I were there, and then we moved to Philadelphia, and I was in a, the Smith Client Management Training Program. Right. So I was uh, did market research, then I did uh, I was finance, and then I, I I carried a bag as a salesman right. in Washington D.C. I was the only white guy walking down the streets because of the Northeast Washington. And everyone says, oh, it's so dangerous. But no one ever bothered me. No one, because I, I belonged there. And, uh, and people come up and ask me, what you got in the bag? And I say, well, I take a look. And they knew the drugs better than I did. And, uh, but they were really nice people. And, and, the, and all the doctors and uh, nurses, they loved to see me there because I had, I had Thorazine. And Thorazine is a, uh, uh, it's a, psychotic, it's a psychotic drug. And they, they says, can you give us a five milligram injectable fluorescent? And so I would get them, each, each, each one of these doctors had one because <clears throat> they'd get people coming crazy. And that's the only way they could put them down it, without hurting them. They just knock them out, go to sleep a couple hours. So, uh, so it was, that was a very good experience. Are you retired now? Well, I'm, uh, COVID retired me. Okay. Mainly, so what were you doing prior to that? Well, I'm a, I've been at, I, I was in the U.S. Embassy and right. the trade talks and healthcare right. in the 80s. And I based and built my business on that because I met everybody. Right. So I, I work with uh, medical devices, diagnostics, and pharmaceutical drugs, mm-hmm. introducing them into Japan uh, or uh, out-licensed out Japan. Right. Right. And um, I also work with scientific instruments. Mm-hmm. Been, I did that. From 1988 to today, I remember when you tried to get into my business. Yeah, we were talking about you no, came. No, to, no, you we came. The, you came to my office and, you had, and backed uh, my Jaguar into a pole. But I remember that. Well, that but was your you own know, fault. You said, I mean, said, I, no, I said that pole was there. You know, I come over to his office and I remember him sitting down there and he started asking me how I was doing this medical equipment business, the CT scanners, because nobody else was doing it. And I'd become at that time probably the largest in Japan buying new CT scanners. So Kyle's sitting up there thinking that I'm going to give him all this information, like where I get it from. This thing. I said, this guy, and he had a staff of about five or six people in his office. Oh, and that's I said, not yep. true. So when I didn't give him anything, he had, he said, back up like this. And the pole was low enough for him to see it, but I couldn't. And I backed my Jaguar, brand new Jaguar, by the way, into the this back is of not, this, is, this is revisionist history. It's revisionist history. Uh, it didn't, it didn't happen it, that way. He was just so anxious to get out of there, he backed up by mistake. He didn't even know I was there. So. But listen, Kyle, if you could go back in time with all the information you have now and meet the younger Kyle, how old would he be and what advice would you give him? That's, I've thought about that. Actually, I've thought about that quite a bit. If I were to do it over again, I, everything would be probably pretty much the same to 1988. When I joined the embassy, I joined the embassy. I was recruited into the embassy, and they, uh, I had, I wanted to be a consultant. I want, I wanted to be a person when they, when people would look to get something done in Japan, and I didn't know it was going to be medical at the time. I wanted to be a person who. Uh, that when they were looking for someone to help them in Japan, I'd be one of the top three names that came up. That was my goal. And, 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 and 
so I joined the embassy. Uh, I had I had a good run, and uh, how long was it? How long? It's four years, That's from eighty uh, uh, October of eighty four to uh, uh, August. Who's the ambassador? Um, ambassador Mansfield. Oh, I worked directly for time. him. You couldn't have had a better time. I, wor I worked. I've got I, one of my most oh. valuable me memories when I was leaving. You could go up to his office on Saturday morning. He was always, and you could just walk in. So I had gotten one of his promotional pictures of him, and uh, so I walked into his office, and he considered me one of his boys, and and uh, and I said, Mr. Ambassador, I'm going to be leaving the embassy. Uh, would you sign this for me? And he had a standard signature, a standard thing he wrote. And so uh, I said, you've often called me in different meetings, our bulldog on the issue. Could you include that in the sign? He looked at me and smiled. And so he did. And, he, and, and, I, and so that picture is hanging on my wall. Okay, it's been hanging there for years. And uh, it was... Uh, well, he was loved by the Japanese and his wife was Japanese. Well, his his uh, his wife went to school in uh, uh, in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, one of his one of her teachers was a woman named Sister Dorita. She had two PhDs, and she was one of my teachers at Sophia, and she was the one that wrote my recommendations for university in graduate school. The same teacher she had. Same teacher she had, and so she came to uh, uh, she and so she and I. The reason I know that she says because every year she would go up and have tea with Maureen. It was my understanding that Ambassador Mansfield was fluent in Japanese. I don't know. I never. I because but he would never ever speak whenever he went in Japanese. The, what Japanese. was interesting about him, he he was. Uh, he was a Marine, he was Army, and he was Navy. He'd served he served all, all three. All three. And, uh, well, and he was during the Korean War? No, no. He was in um, um, He was in China, I think. And, um, and so he was truly an amazing man. And, uh, but you didn't get to the part, what, you, what would you tell yourself at that time? Because you're still, you're, you're going back in time. Well, you know, the, the embassy wanted me to stay, and I could have made a career as a as a uh, as a diplomat. And but because I had this dream, I couldn't get it out of my head. I I left, and I and if I had stayed, I could have spent a tour in, in Thailand, a tour in Europe, and come back to Japan whenever, probably almost whenever I wanted to. And uh, but I didn't. And I've often wondered what would have happened if I had done that way. So you might have whispered in your insects. Well, I tell you one thing: maybe my hair would still be salt and pepper like yours. And Kyle, <laughs> look, I want to thank you so much for taking this time. I enjoyed it very much. I appreciate, really appreciate it. I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you press like and subscribe, and never forget: it's all on loan. So continue to reach for the stars. Because you're too blessed to be stressed.